Hello and welcome to a new podcast. Hi. <laughs> this is the uh, MPU, the Macaw Podcast Universe. And the idea behind this one is that uh, Jordan and I, who are married people... Uh, together. Hence, together. Uh, yes. Yes. Good Good. Uh, good correction there. Uh, we are married, and we <laughs> like movies, and we want to analyze series. So that's kind of the idea here, is that we're going to be going through uh, different movie series, franchises, universes, sequels, and talking about what works, what doesn't work, analyzing them, what makes a good series, what makes a bad series. And we're willing to even watch the franchises we don't like. Yes. Just just to see how they compare to others, and if they hold up, if they should be redone or just forgotten. Absolutely, yeah. Well, the first the and the first one that we're doing uh, is, and we're starting today, is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Hence our name. It's a play on the MCU. Our mm-hmm. podcast is the MPU. And uh, so today we're going to be doing Iron Man, and and this first little section of the podcast is going to be phase one which is iron man uh hulk iron Iron man Man 2 thor captain america the first avenger and the avengers and then we'll do a little mini series Mm -hmm. and then we'll go back to the mcu and do phase two because we don't want to overload on some of these series that are very long yeah Uh, and i know before we jump into all the fun exciting details of the series uh i i know that a couple of things that I'm going to be looking out for is the MCU is kind of unique in that it is different. Uh, it, there are different series within a bigger series. So one of the things... So like that, Iron Man for himself. Yes, Iron okay. Man. There's Captain America. There's Thor. Like all those movies have three movies. And I want to kind of... And Avengers as well. Mm-hmm. I want to analyze also what that means. So... Like, could you watch the Iron Man series and not watch the other movies and enjoy them? Yeah. Or would it? Would you just be totally lost? And is that even a bad thing? Yeah. So that'll be a thing that I'll be keying in especially on. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you have any um, thoughts that you'll be carrying through this specific series? Just thinking of what... Because I'm not a huge fan. These are probably my least favorite ones out of the MCU. The Phase 1 yeah. movies? And okay. probably just figuring out what 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 so what they're doing now why it's working for me and why these didn't work for me okay yeah well um do you want to just jump right into it who goes first well i have some old old facts about iron man okay so maybe i'll go first okay so um as as you may or may not know listener uh Different characters are licensed to different studios because in the 90s, um, Marvel gave out the rights to a lot of their characters, which is part of the reason why Spider-Man took so long to get into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and why, uh, say, Fox owns the X-Men and the MCU can't use them or the Fantastic Four or Deadpool. So who owned Iron Man first? Um, So let's see. Uh, I believe 20th Century Fox owned it first. Uh, and they, Nick Cage was interested in doing a movie where he starred as the, what? in 1997. Why didn't we see that? <laughs> well, he did later do the Ghost Rider movie. Do you remember those? Yeah. Oh, that's Marvel? That's Marvel, but it's not. I thought that was like Dark not, Horse. No, that is Marvel. 
At least we got him for one of them. Uh, and then originally, there's a guy named Stuart Gordon, uh, and he, he directed a movie called Reanimator, which I've heard of, but I don't mm-hmm. know anything about. That It's a cult classic. It is? Okay. Yeah, from from a while ago, but it yeah. Okay. Pretty good movie. Have you seen it? Mm-hmm. Oh, what's it about? Uh, he reanimates a corpse, and I, I believe they, they kind of like are evil, or like, you know, like a zombie, so they're trying to get you. Oh. I think that's the the basic premise not to get too much into it but i remember watching with my dad and him saying like yeah when it came out like no one really liked it but throughout Uh the years it's become uh one of a horror type movie that people have really gone back to especially for zombie related things interesting yeah Yeah, i I, it was one of those things where i was reading about this and i just was kind of like okay Uh uh-huh um but originally, the first like Iron Man movie, because this this movie's been in like pre-production and ideas since the '90s. People have been trying to make Iron Man a movie, and uh, so Stuart Gordon was originally going to direct a low-budget movie. Interesting. And there were a bunch of them actually that I that I was reading about, but um, the the ones to note was the 20th Century Fox Nick Cage, mm-hmm. uh, and then this one you're gonna wish that we would have seen. In September of 1998, Tom Cruise was introduced, interested in, and and interested in producing and starring in an Iron Man. It's movie. okay though because he probably was like, "No, let's really do Mission Impossible." Yeah, and which is a series we will definitely cover on this podcast. Yes, and I would so much rather him be Ethan Hunt than Tony Stark. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad he t- he made the sacrifice. To not well, do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and not to go too uh, over the top with, not over the top, but but not to um, jump the gun on our opinions of the movie and stuff, but I I know there are people that can do like jerk billionaire, mm-hmm. but I don't know that anyone, like Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. is Iron Man. Yeah. He just is. Yeah. And it's, it's tough to even imagine anyone else, even someone as cool as Tom Cruise doing it. Yeah. Um. Uh. In 1999, Quentin Tarantino was approached to make a movie. Okay. Uh. I'm sure that probably. You know, some of these facts you find out about, and it was probably just like one meeting. Yeah. And you know. Or like, something no. was like someone put some kind of script on his desk. Yeah. With and he was like, seven oh, other this scripts. Is interesting yeah. or not interesting? I don't know. Um. So. Uh. But then another one. I thought this was kind of interesting. Joss Whedon was approached to direct. Uh. In 2001. Um, and he would later go on to direct Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron and be a, a pretty big part of the uh, middle stages of the MCU. What um, else has he done? Uh, Joss Whedon? Yeah. He was involved in that show Firefly. And, oh, right. Uh, okay. Uh, not Felicity, but uh, 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 Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Cool. So uh, he, he kind of had that following there. Um, and he did, he helped direct uh justice league which we will get into yeah in a different episode because that is a whole can of worms um but so part of the the issues with this is iron man is not a character like spider-man you throw spider-man on a movie and you're gonna make millions and millions and millions of dollars Mm -hmm. uh even hulk you might do okay uh but iron man was a lesser known property up to this point Mm mm-hmm so uh, Marvel conducted like focus groups to help remove the perception that the character was a robot, and they were pretty successful. And it helped Marvel formulate a, a plan 
which included three animated shorts, to kind of segue people into this idea of this hero that's lesser known. Interesting. Um, so that's kind of the information pre-production of Iron Man. Do, mm-hmm. do you have anything you want to jump in on now? I mean, I could... No. I, well, I If you want to start focusing on who's in this movie... Okay. Well, I did just look at my notes, and there is some more. Maybe okay. I'll maybe I'll jump, keep going. Um, so this movie, uh, it's been in development since the '90s. Oh, so it was originally at Universal mm-hmm. Studios. Then it went to 20th Century, and then New Line Cinema. And then in 2005, Marvel gained film rights to Iron Man from New Line Cinema. Um, I thought this was interesting. Disney didn't own Marvel Studios until 2009. Mm-hmm. Okay. So these first two three movies disney didn't really have a hand in um in april 2006 marvel hired john favreau uh and yeah so now now you maybe you want to because this movie is directed by john favreau mm-hmm. and you want to hit me with some john favreau the, facts well the interesting thing about him was so his first movie is made when 2001 like the movie's called made it's and, called made yeah Okay. And it like stars... Like M-A-I-D or M-A-D-E? M-A-D-E. Okay. And it starts him and Vince Vaughn. Uh-huh. And they're boxers that get wrapped up in some kind of money laundering thing. Um, that sounds interesting. Yeah, sounds interesting. Um, and then he did so, like a TV episode of something. And then he did Elf in 2003. And then, you know, which is one of the best Christmas movies of all time. Haven't Comedy really had classic. a classic, a Christmas classic since then. So it's it's always like, well, is anything going to be Elf anytime right. That's soon? That's what you say every Christmas. <laughs> um, but the, the answer keeps being no, no. Um, so then after that, it's Zathura in two thousand five, which is uh-huh. a Jumanji remake. Yes. Um, did you see that as a kid? I have not seen Zathura. Loved it as a kid. It had Josh Hutcherson and uh, Jonah Bobo, his younger brother in the Jonah movie Bobo? uh dax shepherd is in it you know oh, it's in, got the dax man you know in jumanji when um that what is it oh like he's he's kind of like the um robin williams character he kind of like comes out and it's like what has he been doing in this game like what is he doing here oh. and you kind of learn a, a story about him that, like that's kind of like a space version it's a space jumanji, version right? they're like the house that they're in gets like vaulted into space and they're trying to get That's back home. Cool. And the whole premise is they're supposed to hang out with their dad, but their dad had to go to work for like a business emergency. Um, and then you have Kristen Stewart, who I believe might be their sister slash a neighbor, like a girl, mm-hmm. just like a girl. Um, great. Loved that movie so much. Doesn't beat Jumanji, but okay. loved it. Probably not now. Um, and then... So that was 2005, and then a couple more TV episodes, and then Iron Man in 2008. So he only did three movies before Iron Man. And I would argue, I mean, I've never seen Made, but it didn't seem like an action movie. So he's never done a a big-scale movie. Yeah. Iron Man's the first one. They just gave it to him. Um, Okay. I also think it's interesting that he has more acting credits than directing credits. Like, I think people know more as an actor than a director. Yeah, I think now he's kind of transitioning yeah. into after he's done Jungle Book and Lion King and Iron Man one yeah. and two. It's kind of like okay, yeah. But I mean, like if if you don't really know someone that well, or you know, no production notes of someone in a movie, like he's in most of the movies that he directs. Yeah. So you're probably more gonna think like, oh, he played the Doctor and Elf. That right. guy or was funny. Happy Hogan and Iron Man. He might not even realize yeah. that he 
is in yeah. as a director. Yeah. yeah, so it's just like you would think about him more for that than as a director. And it's it's interesting because he goes on, um, you know, he he has directed a lot more, especially being involved in Marvel movies yeah. since this one. They kind of kept him on, which is, um, I think, great because I think he does a good job with the character. Uh-huh. Um, and then... But yeah, all of his filmography is really interesting because he has someone like Iron Man, which is a very different movie than his past movies. And then he still is making like that movie Chef. He directed and starred oh, yeah. in that movie. Was that like 2013 or something? Something, something like that. I can't remember the exact date. Um, but like it's just so different. than So he's pretty, if you really look at his filmography, versatile. Yeah. And it's like he seems like a guy that's like, I want to make a movie about this. Yeah. And then I'm going to make the next Iron Man. And now I'm going to make a movie about a chef who quits his job and buys a taco truck. Yeah. And it's like, oh, cool. And I think it did like, okay. Yeah, I heard it was good. Not a lot like of a actors in movie. it. Yeah. But then, of course, now it, it'll be curious to see where his career goes now because then he does Jungle Book, which mm-hmm. I have not seen, admittedly, but opinion-wise, it looks like a steaming pile of crap. And then yeah. we, we see the teaser for Lion King, and I'm thinking, this looks even worse than that steaming pile of crap I saw. But then he's also producing the Star Wars show, The Mandalorian, that'll be on the Disney yeah. streaming service. So I don't really know how to feel about him. Because I yeah. do like some of his work, yeah. but I, I'm he's very confusing to me. Yeah. He's a very confusing director. I mean, I respect him, mm-hmm. but I... I don't. I don't know how like re- remembered he'll be, which for, isn't necessarily a for bad someone thing, who's but. directed some movies that I really like. It's still like when a John when I hear John Favreau is making a movie, I'm not like so excited. Oh, I gotta to go see, see it. it. The new John Favreau movie. No, yeah. that's that's what he's like to me. Yeah. Um. That's mostly what I have on him. Okay. Well. Um. I wanted to. I don't know if you read about this, but. There are four credited screenwriters on this movie. Mm-hmm. I looked at that as well. Okay. So we have Mark Fergus mm-hmm. and ha- Hawk Ostby. Yeah, his bird helped him. <laughs> yeah. And then... Uh, <laughs> well, then- they, they both wrote together <laughs> Children of Men. Oh, what? And Cowboys and Aliens. Oh, what? They both have writing credits on those movies. And Interesting. Then, um, who is... Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Art Markham and Matt Holloway both have writing credits on Iron Man, as well as Punisher Warzone, okay, and Transformers: The Last Night. Ooh, okay. So it's like two duos come together. Well, but here's the here's the thing about it that I read was Fergus and Ostby, the boy and his hawk, uh-huh. and um, Markham and Holloway. They wrote two separate scripts. Mm-hmm. That's why it's billed Mark Fergus and Hawk Ostby. And oh. then below that, it's Art Markham and Matt Holloway. Oh. And then um, they wrote competing scripts, and then Favreau consolidated them into one, and they were all polished by um, John August. Oh, okay. So okay. I think he just took the best parts of both scripts. I would imagine that probably, I mean, I don't know this for sure, but probably one of the scripts focused more on Obadiah Stane. And yeah. Pepper Potts and yeah. Iron Man, and the other one probably focused more on the the war in Afghanistan. Yeah, and then they consolidated it's like two that halves into one. of the movie. Yeah. Did you look at the producers list? Yeah, we have Av Arid and uh, Kevin Feige. Did you see someone else who's listed on producers? Uh huh. Uh-uh. Peter Billingsley, famously the kid from A Christmas Story. No way. It's listed as a producer of this movie, as did, an executive I, where, producer. Where did you see that? I didn't. IMDb. Oh, executive producer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 
The kid from a Christmas store? Yeah. Like the shoot your eye out kid? Yep. What? Yeah. Which, I mean, if you think about it, I don't think it's like super insane because he was in Elf. So he's worked with Favreau. Wait, who is he in Elf again? He's Ming Ming. <laughs> he, Who's Ming Ming? <laughs> you know the part in Elf when um, he, well, for, oh, gosh, he comes up to him and he's like, how many extra sketches have you made today? And he's like, oh, only like 85. Yeah. And he's like, that put, and he's like, pulls out his chart and he's like that puts you 650 off the pace that's him that's him that's the kid that's Shoot Peter. your eye out kid yes yeah that's a little mind-blowing yeah so i mean it, it doesn't it's not as insane as it might feel that yeah, he would spin, be involved connection. with john favreau yeah yeah um okay <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so the main producers avi arid and kevin feige yeah uh, Kevin Feige is going to be coming up a lot because he produces he is Marvel. every Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. I heard that he, um, after, kind of like, especially when Disney bought the series, he he had his name, his middle name legally changed. I don't even know if he had a middle name to Marvel. <laughs> yeah, you had me going there for a second. Yeah, Kevin Marvel Feige. And we can call him that, Kevin Marvel Feige. Yeah. KM, he's the KMF. KMF, the yeah. KMF. Uh, so uh, I'm almost done with produ- production notes. Uh, it's produced by Marvel Studios, so they self-finance this movie, and mm-hmm. this is their first movie. And then it was distributed by Paramount. Okay. Uh, and then uh, we've got to jump into, in 2006 of September, Robert Downey Jr. was cast. Mm-hmm. So interesting Tell thing about, about him, because um, you know he has quite the you know he's like a comeback actor. He um, he he had you know drug abuse, alcohol abuse, got into trouble with that, went to rehab for all of that, and um, I was thinking Sorry, like I was moving around. <laughs> I was thinking, where's the gap in his career where he's not doing anything uh-huh. because he's dealing with his um, abuse problems? And, yeah. He has never stopped acting. Like, he has something every year. Really? Sometimes multiple things. I mean, you know, you usually work on something a year before it's actually done. Right. So there's that. But, no, he's been in several, several things. He was, his first acting credit was in 1970, and it kind of just goes from there, and he never stops. If you look okay. at him on paper. Yeah. Um, And then... I just kind of noting some of the big things that people, you know, like, oh, he was in this. He was in this. Um, something that I first noticed him in was the movie Chaplin in 1992. Yeah. Where he's Robert, or <laughs> he's Robert Downey Jr. No, he's uh, Charlie Chaplin. And that movie is directed by Richard Attenborough, the guy who uh-huh. says, welcome to Jurassic Park. Yes. And he was nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. And a Golden Globe. And he won a BAFTA for that role okay um and then you have from that he's a natural born killers a movie i have tried watching twice and can't get past the first 10 minutes so i've never seen him in it, it my opinion i well i don't like that movie but he is the best part okay he comes I've in at that. the end and he it's he's so different from anything he does that you're just kind of like who what yeah what i didn't know he was he could do this, this yeah is, he's and crazy maybe i should just skip to that part um, and then in 2005, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is apparently an amazing movie that I still Love haven't seen. And then you have Zodiac in 2007, um, which I, I think from everything I've seen him in, that's kind of a changing and defining moment in his career. Yeah. Because he does so 
well as a reporter struggling with alcoholism also just trying to wrap his head around this serial killer and how to report on it and he's the person the zodiac sends stuff to him yeah i think Um, that kind of solidifies him back after all his drug addiction and stuff that like that makes people like our parents go okay yeah this guy is like doing it again yes and then I, this is the next movie, Iron Man. Next movie is Iron Man, 2008. And then he defines his entire career. <laughs> yes. And then, I mean, he furthers it with Sherlock Holmes, which is very right. successful. Right. Um, and it's like, yeah, he was Iron Man, but he's also Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. He can just do it. And then um, in 2010, he's in Due Date and Iron Man 2, which were two very popular movies. Yeah. Due Date it rules. Yeah. Funny movie. That movie is great. Yeah. I stand by that movie wholeheartedly. Yeah. He he's he's perfectly casted in that movie. I agree. Um yeah, uh a couple of things about him is Downey or I mean Favreau really wanted to cast Downey because of the public's perception of him because he thought that that would play well cuz you know, a lot of times um actors bring baggage into a movie. You know, you see Leonardo DiCaprio and I think like here's someone who maybe is really angry or like has anger under the surface. Here's someone who, you know, you see all their previous roles. There's, there's very few actors that come into a role blank slate, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Even, even your Daniel day Lewis's it's like, well, we know that he spent an entire year of his life pretending to be this person or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, that baggage Favreau wanted to highlight. And I think it works. I think it works yeah, really well. Absolutely. And uh, I think Downey also helped uh, kind of revise a lot of his dialogue mm-hmm. so that I think he has more of a connection to the character. Um, and he was paid half a million dollars for the role. That's it. That was what he was Isn't paid he for. Isn't he now this movie. like one of the most top paid actors of all time? Yeah, I mean, we'll get into it because I think there's information, but I think in some of the later movies, he gets paid like you know, 20 or $30 million, something yeah. crazy like yeah. that. Could be wrong. Um, so filming began in March 2007, ended in June. Uh, this movie got two Academy Award nominations, Best Sound Editing, Best Visual Effects. Uh, music was done by Raman Dijawadi. Raman? Is that, is that how you pronounce it? Is it Ramon? No, R-A-M-I-N. Oh. Um. And as far as the soundtrack goes, we were it, it makes the movie pretty dated. Yeah, just a lot of a lot of uh Half early two thousand guitars. Rock. Going, it, yeah, it was just like, oh, I wonder if Metallica was part of this. Oh, I wonder if Yeah. <laughs> I know I had read that the the composer felt like Iron Man is a rock star, so he wanted it to be him and Favreau wanted it to be yeah. led by guitars and stuff, which and makes, that makes sense. sense. It just the it style just of it, it dated the movie. Yeah, uh, budget of the movie one hundred forty million, and like I said earlier, this is self financed by Marvel. Um, and then the box office, it's a it comes out May second, two thousand eight, and it's a smashing smashing success it makes five hundred eighty-five million one hundred seventy-four thousand two hundred and twenty-two dollars that's nuts that's pretty good and this is the same year that dark knight came out 2008 so um that's that's all the production i have and also stan winston the guy who helped or made the jurassic park effects helped with the suits of armor and made that stuff 
Oh, okay. The practical That's cool. parts of that. Yeah. So, what what do you have anything else? Just on actors. Okay, yeah. We can just get into it when we get to them. Okay. Do you want to hop into the movie then? Yeah. Um. So the movie starts out with Iron Man. Uh. Well, Tony Stark riding in a caravan in Afghanistan mm-hmm. with those troops. And I think that that's such a great introduction to his character. Yeah. Um, the fact that he's teasing them and yet they're uh, they're intimidated by him just because of his persona just well, says he's, so he's wearing, much like, about it. A three piece suit, drinking scotch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think he has like only a bulletproof vest on underneath his suit. Yeah. Because, yeah. So he he looks great. It, but it's just like he's very calm and cool and collected in a pretty like war torn area. Yeah. Because he has his weapons to protect him. Uh huh. And I, I just, I think that that's such a great way to introduce his character. And then the convoy is attacked. He gets some shrapnel and then it cuts to 36 hours earlier. Mm-hmm. And this is when we watched it with Bobby. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and this is when you realize this is, this movie has like, as he was saying, a much harder edge to it than yes. following uh, Marvel movies. Yes. Because it's PG-13, and, uh, and, but it just shows like a naked woman in his bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's drinking a lot mm-hmm. in the movie. The violence is a little bit, uh, graphic's the wrong word, but uh, slightly more visceral. Yeah. And I think that most women are sexualized, but I think that is because it's showing how Tony Stark views women. Yeah. So that was also... But I also think it's 2008, and they got away with that more, too. So it was just like, every woman, even Pepper Potts... Yeah. It was just like, oh, she's pretty. Yeah. I do do think they do provide depth to her as the movie progresses. She's good. I'm not saying she's not good. But, I mean, they... If you just pay attention to what she's wearing the whole time, it's just... Even when she's working, it's just like kind of a tight skirt, really high heels, kind of a low cut shirt the whole time. Yeah. Um, She actually gave like my second favorite performance of the movie. Yeah. I don't remember her being this good in these movies. Me neither. Like I thought she was fantastic. And the chemistry between them was really, really good. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I think you got to give the best performance to Robert Downey Jr. Mm -hmm. Because like from that first scene, like I said... You just get who this character is, and, you, and you're and you like, I'm in. Yeah. And before this movie, Gwyneth Paltrow's career was pretty established. It's just okay. like, okay, that's Gwyneth Paltrow. But she comes from, I don't know if you know this, I mean, I've never seen Hook, but she plays young Wendy in Hook. Does she? Yeah. And then she's- I've in, seen Hook, and I will stand by, that is a bad movie. Haven't seen it, so couldn't- Oh, you haven't seen it? I remember I was going to watch it with you that one night, and then I left. It's- I, I know it's controversial, but if you take off the nostalgia, it's a bad movie. Yeah. Well, then we're not going to get into it. But <laughs> then you have her in Seven in 1995. She's in Part 8, Paul Thomas Anderson's first movie. That's right. In 1996. Then in Royal Tenenbaums in 2001. Oh, yeah. And then post-Iron Man, her career actually looks pretty similar to Robert Downey Jr.'s. Like, she's in, she's in more non-Marvel movies than he is. Uh-huh. However... You see so many movie Marvel movies that is yeah. on her filmography. Because yeah, she's in all the Iron Man. I think she's in a she's in couple not, of the Avengers. And she's in Spider Man Homecoming. 
That's right. She's in like one or two scenes, though, I think, in that whole movie. That but was she, probably I mean, like a day or two of shooting. Yeah. But still. But she doesn't, It's. I think it's kind of clear that she doesn't need to be mm-hmm. and doing a lot more than whatever she just wants to do or contractually obligated by Marvel to do. Yeah. I, I think it's kind of fascinating. We talked about this after we watched it last night that I used to kind of look at Downey's career and I was kind of annoyed that he had so few movies that weren't Avengers movies Mm -hmm. and Marvel movies. But now that I'm a little older, hopefully a little more rounded out as a, as a movie watcher, I think it makes sense when you're putting out that many movies, it makes sense that you want to just focus on that character Mm -hmm. and that's a good paying job. Yeah. And so What's cool? What will be really interesting is when he's done being Iron Man, I I can't wait to see what his next like three movies are gonna be. Yeah, because I think he'll probably make the Oscar plays. Mm-hmm. I feel like at that point he'll be like, okay, I want an Oscar. Yeah, he kind of tried to do that with the Judge, I think, but that was a bad movie. Yeah. Um, if you listener like hearing this talk about movies, there's a podcast called Blank Check, and uh, they do this episode called Judging the Judge, and. Uh, as if I laughed pretty hard listening to that. Anyway, any anything uh, anything that you're jumping on? I we were talking about the harder edge to the movie. Yeah, um, I I was pretty. It was pretty interesting to me that so like at least the third, probably a little bit more of it takes place in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. which means like you know he's captured by the um, the enemy. Yeah. basically, and held hostage because they want him to make his own weapons to use on further power. Yeah. And I just think it was, it's interesting, in 2008, a uh, big part of it takes place in Afghanistan, which in 2008, we were still kind of in Afghanistan. We were in the Middle East. Yeah. So it, I feel like it was super relevant in yeah. 2008. Oh, yeah. But watching it now, it's pretty interesting. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying that anything was stereotypical or racist. I don't think so. But yeah. it was... It was really interesting because I don't know if that would be a thing to be done now. Like, if that would be a, yeah. a writing choice to be like, okay, it's going to take place in Afghanistan, like war torn Afghanistan. Yeah. I just thought that was, in 2008, it totally makes sense to have it there. And and I think because of where the movies go, it's like we, we're going to see so much of big, of cities. Mm-hmm. And we see a little bit of cities in this movie, but I it, it's actually kind of refreshing that there's, like, desert landscapes to look at. Yeah. Because you don't really see that in the rest well, of the Well, I think movies. it takes place in um, Southern California when it's not in Afghanistan. That's it. They yeah. don't go anywhere else. Yeah, and I that's kind of nice. This, yeah. this movie is... Well, well, I mean, to throw to throw an opinion out there, I mean, I think the movie holds up really well. Yeah, I think and it's I, good. I think it's probably one of the better of the whole series. Yeah. Um. The things that really work, as far as analyzing it from a serious perspective, is that it really looks like they just made the movie. They made it the best they could do, and of course they were wanted. I'm sure they wanted a sequel, but there was no like, let's leave a bunch of dangling threads so that we can pick up on a sequel. It was like, no, let's mm-hmm. just make one cohesive good movie. If you watched Iron Man and walked away, you wouldn't be left unsatisfied. Yeah. With the story. Yeah. And so I think that provides a really nice basis for the entire universe because you just learn about one character who's going to be essential to the entire bigger story. And you, you learn enough about him that you can take him with you with the rest of the movies. Yeah. I think it does thrive from being a self-contained movie because mm-hmm. it's about 
He is captured for three months. They want him to build his own weapon so that they can use it. I'm talking about the enemy. And then he builds his first Iron Man suit um, in this cave and breaks free, goes home. Um, and then as he's home, he, you know, he owns Stark Industries, mm-hmm. um, heir to the company who makes weapons for war. Like that's yeah, their primary yeah. thing that they make. And then he comes back and he's like, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to focus on like research. I don't know. It just basically, we're not going to do weapons anymore to which Jeff Bridges, who was like his partner. Obadiah Stain. Yes. Which I, li- I like that name. Me too. That's a good name. Um, But he, you know, he's like, you can't do that. It's going to tank the company. And we have all of these interesting part, like interests or, you know, people on the board who also make the decision. And it's, it's a pretty interesting anti-war movie. Yeah. Um, which is also interesting in 2008 when I don't think that was a huge thing yet. Yeah. Um, because we were so in the Middle East during that time. Um, so I, I, cause a lot of when Tony was like, we're not, we're going to like get rid of the weapons. Just about everyone's like, you can't do that. We need yeah, them. Yeah. And I think that's interesting. Even Pepper Potts was like, you can't, you shouldn't do that. Uh-huh. You have to think about your company. Yeah. And I, he's like the only one that's like, we're, we have to stop doing this. And he kind of uses his resources to make the Iron Man suit. Yeah. But not as a weapon to create power or dominance, but to stop the the like production of his weapons. Yeah. In a way. Yeah, I, it's I, interesting. Like whole, that's the movie. Yeah, the I love I love the 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 conflict that they found with the character of someone who creates weapons uh wanting to not make weapons because he sees how harmful they are for mm-hmm. even the people he is trying to protect. And then at the end, I mean it is interesting that he does not find a he doesn't find a peaceful way to resolve it. He just becomes a weapon himself, mm-hmm. which is that constant superhero kind of gray area where it's like, well, you are repaying violence for violence. Does that make a does that make things better? Yeah. And I know in some of the other movies, like uh, Age of Ultron, that's like the kind of the theme of the movie is like they've caused so much destruction. Right. Like, would it have been better if they just weren't around? Right. I mean, you would think that the thing to do is he he's like, I'm going to stop doing weapons. Jeff Obadiah Stane is like, you can't do that. He becomes the bad guy Mm -hmm. um, of the movie, essentially. And he has to beat Tony has to beat him. And once he beats him successfully, you'd think like, okay, hang it up. Yeah. Hang it up. And now give your research to medical Stuff, yeah, like that but I mean, it's also, device. it's Tony Stark. Yeah. So I don't think he can. I don't think that it's in his character Yeah, to really do that. Yeah. Well, and uh, speaking of Tony Stark, um, it was crazy, because I've only seen this movie one time before last night. Yeah. I saw it in the theaters when it came out, and I loved it, uh, and then I never saw it again. Um, and it was crazy seeing how he has, kept, Robert Downey Jr. has kept that that character so cohesive throughout this entire 19 movies. And yeah. I know that he's not in every single one, but I mean, we're talking 10 years, 10 years plus, if you count the fact that before, I mean, they started filming in 2007. So about 11 years, he's been this character and he's kept it cohesive. Yeah. And it makes sense. And there's been character arcs and there's been growth. Um, but it looks like, it looks like a real character, a real person. Mm-hmm. I think that's really impressive. Yeah, I think so. I think he, yeah, like you said, he 
he's changed a lot throughout them, but he's still Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. And he will for real be tested in the new Avengers movie. Avengers Endgame Avengers coming this Endgame. April. <laughs> hey. But, yeah. Um, One thing I wanted to hit on uh, is this, you know, this is the first of the series, and this is a little bit before visual effects, like, totally take over. This is, like, in the transitional period. And the his suits that he has in the movie are so cool. Yeah. And they're they're arguably his best looking suits, and I think it has to do with the fact that they have real suits, and then they touch them up digitally instead of now, like with the new Avengers, which for the record I really loved Avengers mm-hmm. Infinity War, but he has a suit that is completely digital. And when I say that, I mean he walks on set and he has like some motion capture stuff on him, and he acts normal, and then the suit is completely digital. Yeah. And uh, but his suits in this movie are visceral. Yeah, and I like that the the first suit he makes in the in the tunnel. Um, I think it, it's very cool because you look at it and you you can kind of see how it works. Yes, like y- you see the different things he's doing and the close ups on the armor, and you go, I can, I, not that I could build it or anything like that, but you could see someone feasibly making that. Yes, and that was a big thing that we talked about last night was. This movie, it is a science fiction movie, Mm -hmm. and a big issue that some science fiction movies run into is they, like, it's important to explain things so that the audience isn't totally lost. However, you can't explain the most complicated physical, physics, chemistry things to an audience because, like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. It's almost better to just not explain it, and they don't really explain a lot of it. Um, throughout the movie as he's making the suit but you're watching him do it and as you watch him you're like that makes sense and yeah, that his, makes sense. his whole progression like him laying out those plans for the guy yeah. with those sheets of paper that they stack on yes. each other like you just kind of go okay i don't need to know like the mathematics behind this but i see how it works and then when he's testing the suit that's a smart way for the screenwriters to show you like how his suit works without yes. having to explain stuff with dialogue yeah, and, and then by the end of the movie, you're like buying all the things that he's doing because you're like, I've seen him test it all. Yeah, I trust the filmmakers, the writers, the people who the who designed it physically. I trust yeah. them that it works, and then I trust Tony Stark as he's making it. It's like, oh, he did the one in the cave. Why couldn't he do this one at his house? Right, it, with better it, with better equipment so and better sense. resources. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's like, yep, you don't need to explain it to me. Yeah. I mean, you did just by showing it. Yeah, and and that's part of why this movie works so well. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. That that first scene where he's escaping the cane, the cave, I think is kind of cool because they, they didn't go like too over the top with this style, but they kind of shot it a little horror movie-ish. Yes. Do you remember when the, the bad guys come in and, and they just see this huge, what they shoot to look like a monster, but yes. it's Tony Stark in his big Iron Man suit and he's shooting them all and frankly killing them. Yeah. Um, I just, I just think that that's cool. And they even, I mean, used horror movie shots more towards the end too, when Pepper Potts and the agent of shield guy and those people, um, enter the facility to try and find Jeff Bridges mm-hmm. because they know that he's doing something violent. Oh and terrible. yeah. Yeah. And that one shot in particular, when she's like looking through all these chains that are hanging down from the ceiling uh-huh. and you, it's just the way it's lit is really dark, but her face is really pale yeah. and light. And then it 
switches to what this darkness in the chains and these light and the the eyes turning on. Yeah. Like that is like so perfectly well done for a horror movie. Yeah. Which is it's the perfect moment to do it for the bad guy. Yeah. Cuz I I know to fear right. it. Right. It's great. It kind of flips what you saw in the movie. It reverses roles. Yeah, almost. and I think that his suit, Jeff Bridges' suit, looks a lot like the first Iron Man suit in the cave. Oh yeah. So it's like it's primitive looking. Well, yeah, because in they get the plans from his right his old suit because the um, terrorists were putting it together. Right. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Um, we talked about this. Um, this movie is a good example of they took the lessons from 2006 Batman Begins, mm-hmm. they, they learned all the right lessons from that, that movie. Because uh, a lot of what the new DC universe has done, their first few movies, is they said, okay, The Dark Knight and Batman Begins were really dark, so we're going to make our material dark and our visuals dark. Yeah. But they didn't... I mean, I kind of like Man of Steel... But with Batman v Superman and stuff, they just tried to make it dark and moody. But they didn't learn that the reason why we all like Batman Begins was because it was rooted in some realism. Not too much. Mm-hmm. It, it still felt like a comic book. It's like surprising when you go back how comic booky they are. Yeah. Um, which is a line. I from mean, blank Cr- check. Christian I Bale looks about. like he was ripped out of the comic books. Yeah. Did you see that hair? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's comic book hair. It is comic book hair. Uh, and so they, but the, the movies are like dark and gritty, but they're not like, they're not completely devoid of human touch and feeling and emotion. Mm-hmm. And this movie is like, okay, let's root it in realism a little bit, like plausibility, yeah. and then let's make a character study. That's yeah. why we like it, because it's a nice character study. And that's what I think they um, lack in some of these later Marvel movies. Is where they mm-hmm. lack the relatability to a character. Yeah, some of them are too focused on setting their goal up. or their the yeah what their ability is. Yeah, like, which get over it. We will get into. It'll be interesting because there's some of these movies that I feel like are gonna hold up better than I thought yeah. in the Marvel universe, and then I think there's a few that like next week's episode, The Incredible Hulk. I saw that movie once in theaters and I loved it. Yeah. I think I'm going to not like it at all this time around. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Um, the scene when Pepper Par- pa- pe- Pepper Potts is uh, replacing Tony's heart yeah. is such a great scene. Yeah. Probably one of my favorite scenes. Very well done. Because the chemistry between them, the jokiness of it all is just great. Um, she bears, his, she holds his heart. Yeah, literally. Yeah. We were and all then, crying like a couple of girls. Yeah, we were, yeah. Or boys. Boys can cry, too. But they don't. Boys don't cry. Only girls. They can, but they don't. Yeah. Uh, and then the dance with Pepper when he notices her at the mm-hmm. party. That's a very nice scene as well. Yes. Um, and then and then what I really, really love in this movie is when we finally see him become Iron Man. Because when you're making a superhero movie... And this is why I hated Fantastic Four 2015 and I hated Justice League. Well, one of the reasons, one of the many reasons for both of those movies is they they did not have like that moment where you go, sure, it's rooted in realism or sure, it's 
they're going for this take. But neither of those movies had that moment where you go, yes, yeah. I am watching a superhero movie. Because yeah. you can't forget that it's a superhero movie. Yeah. Like, you can do your take on it. But even when, like, Logan, which was kind of an anti-superhero yeah. movie, more of a Western, as we all know. Yeah. It still had moments where you were like, yes, yeah. that's Wolverine. I love this. So in this movie, I love that scene where he goes into Afghanistan to destroy some of his weapons, and he lands, and the the terrorists have taken people hostage, and he like punches a guy. The guy goes flying. They take all these hostages. That guy's dead. He's very he dead. Was flung into the side of the building. It's almost a wonder how he just didn't explode when he hit it. <laughs> yeah, that guy's dead. He is dead. He's a terrorist, so... Yeah, no, it's just... it's It was one of those moments where it reminded me of Captain America Winter Soldier when someone gets thrown into a turbine of a plane and a member in a theater, like, there are children. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. I know that it wasn't gory, technically, but there's a lot of things in these Marvel movies, if you think about it a little too much, you're just like, he's bad. It's good he's dead. Yeah. But wait a second. That's right. a lot of people dying. Yeah. And then when they destroy cities and stuff, you're like, they're not just killing bad people. There's no way. Right. But that's part of the whole thing. Like, you, it's not something you think about when you're watching that movie. Yeah. There is that funny thing, though, in the movie where after he... When, I don't remember. It's, it's after the final fight. There's a yeah. news report, and it says, zero people injured in the, in the street battle between Iron Man and yeah. Obadiah. And you're like, okay. A way to cover yourself, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But back to this scene of Iron Man. And then they're holding those people hostage. His suit locks in on the bad guys, shoots them all at one time, mm-hmm. and they all die. And I'm like... That that's when I go yes that is such a cool moment and then the tank shoots him mm-hmm. he shoots a little bug on it a little detonator slowly walks away and it explodes which and the guitars are know, screaming the drums are pounding they are but it's it's one it's sure you could say it's cheesy but that's that that kind of like solidifies for me yes. as a viewer I'm like okay I'm in I'm like. 100% in for the rest of this movie. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite parts of the movie is when he's come back after his three-month stay under captivity of the terrorists. Uh, <laughs> first thing he wants is a cheeseburger. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. And the cheeseburger of his choosing is a Burger King cheeseburger. Uh-huh. I'm just going to repeat that. Yeah, It's a Burger ahead. King cheeseburger. That was his burger of choice after being in Afghanistan, Afghanistan for three months. Uh-huh. Interesting choice of cheeseburger is all I'm going to say. Now, I... Clearly, I, he didn't have enough, th- too much time before the press conference. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, who would go to, who would go to that awful place? Uh, we, this podcast, I have to say, uh, we will never be condoning, uh, the consumption of Burger King. And that's a promise. That's a promise and a fact. Unless they decide to sponsor it, in which case you got to eat some Burger King, right? Not until they give us the money. Okay, fair enough. Um, and then two two things. I, I've covered pretty much all that I wanted to cover. Uh-huh. Um, but we we will, as we go throughout the series, we'll be ranking the Stanley cameos. Yes. Uh, and the first one in this movie is he is mistaken as Hugh Hefner by. Uh, He's flanked by two beautiful women. 
Yeah, wearing a red robe. And Tony goes, hey, Hugh, and walks away, and he turns around very confused. Doesn't say anything. Good good cameo. Yeah. And then uh, there is a famous thing called a sky beam, made famous by all the movies in the early 2000 teens. Uh, and this one has one sky beam. So we're going to be keeping a Marvel sky beam. Uh, tally. Tally. Because that's usually they're blue. For some reason, they're always blue, it seems. And that's when a beam of light and energy shoots into the sky. So this is the first one. We'll give it a pass. But I know in Marvel Phase 2, I think there was at least one in all of those movies, which was insane. And I remember watching Honest Trailers, and everyone was like, okay, enough with the sky beams. We don't want to see them anymore. They're <laughs> so, just too visually pleasing. Or, Apparently. Eh, yeah, for the filmmakers, I suppose. Yeah. So uh, I give this movie a pass. Just like it belongs in the universe? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I said after we watched it last night that it is the first one. However, having not seen it in so long, it is one of the more, most refreshing Marvel movies possible. If you're feeling yeah. a little bit down about these Marvel movies and you're really tired of every single person, every single villain's goal is to destroy the planet or an mm. entire race of people, just watch this one because it's just a businessman trying to keep his business afloat. Yeah. And it's just so refreshing. And it's not even like, because I think a lot, of, we've gotten to the point where it's like, I want to relate to the villain. I want like, you know, him to be a big part of the movie. And I think that's always super interesting when uh. you can sympathize with the villain. However, Jeff Bridges, I don't sympathize with him at any point. He's, yeah. he's unsympathetic, which I think is very strong writing, especially for a first movie. They keep it very simple, mm -hmm. but it's just so refreshing because he just wants one thing and that's money. Yeah. And, and to just keep the business afloat. Yeah. And which is goes hand in hand. Yeah, I think um his performance is really great, by the way. Yeah. Side note. He doesn't do his mumble. Yeah, which I just kinda I nice. should just draw a picture of him uh using Stark missiles as a buoy. Because he's staying afloat on them. Uh in that, the ocean. that could be if you get that done, that could be what we post about for our first episode. Yeah. We gotta work on a logo, by the way. Yeah. But by the time you're hearing this, we'll have probably recorded six or seven of these, uh, maybe eight or nine. Mm -hmm. But uh, we don't have a logo. So if you're looking at a logo, we did it. If you're not looking at a logo, we <laughs> haven't didn't gotten do it. around to it. <laughs> well, uh, so next week, I mean, are you done? Yep. Or, okay. Uh, next week will be The Incredible Hulk. We hope you guys watch these movies along with us. Uh, it's been pretty fun. Rate, review, and subscribe. Woo!